Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because I think that life, like there's so many experiences in life, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your job, your employment, whether it's your relationship with money, your children, your home, like these are all portals for us to access different parts of us to heal. Yes. And, you know, we go through these different parts depending on what is like something is going to call us forward. Something is going to come up that needs to be felt, that needs to be healed. That part of us is like screaming for that integration. Hi, I'm Veronica Jane and welcome to This Isn't Me podcast. Ever found yourself in a moment where you look at your life and realize this isn't me? Maybe it was you in the past and it's not you anymore sharing powerful stories of breakthroughs and transformation. Practical and playful, scientific and spiritual, right and wrong left at the door. It's a many sizes fit all situation, full of imperfection and messiness, sharing, asking questions with authentic, vulnerable conversations. This isn't me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of This Isn't Me podcast. I'm Veronica Jane, and today I have Dr. Elizabeth. What's your last name, Elizabeth? Willis. Great. So she's going to share all about who she is and what she does in the world, and then we're going to have a dancing conversation um, and talk about how we connected, what I recently have learned from her, and then hopefully she'll share and we'll get to learn a whole bunch more from her today. So hello. Thank you, Veronica. I'm so honored to be here and thank you so much for the invitation. I love doing podcasts and I haven't done one in a while. So this is fun. Hey, they are fun. So tell us all about who you are. So I am a, uh, a native to Chicago and I grew up, my life was very much like following the script of what I was supposed to like I, I call it like I lived the life that I was supposed to live in certain ways, um, not in totality, but um, <clears throat> I grew up in the States and I got my uh, bachelor's degree and then I began teaching um, and I got my, I was very interested in Montessori teaching. So I, um, I got my degree in preschool Montessori education, and then I went on to do my master's in Montessori elementary education, and I began my teaching career, which I loved, and it was very, very fulfilling, and I loved working with children. My mother was a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher, and it was it just fit right into kind of like who I was, quote, unquote, supposed to be. Uh-huh. I also love the hours because I love not working during the summer the and best. I love, <laughs> I love having, you know, winter break and spring break. I always and- joke that like, that's actually just like this evil trick to get these beautiful nurturing, like divine feminine women into education. Like they bribe us. It's like the, like the dirty bait that they use to keep us sane and keep us in that field. Like without summer holidays, I feel like I don't know teachers who would stay in teaching. It's like this beautiful temptation that we're like, oh, maybe it's worth the chaos of the system to get that month or two off in the summer. Well, it's so interesting because it is part of like the antiquated antiquated system that I am okay with, right? There's other yep. parts of the antiquated education system that I am not okay with. Oh, was that originally um, set up so that we could... Because it's not really yeah. set in the harvest. I wonder why it's that time of year. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. continue. Well, so, so then um, 
I continued teaching and I, I hit a wall after teaching for about seven to eight years. And I was like, I need to do something. And that was when I kind of made my first leap. And I decided to go and get my PhD. And I love to learn. I am a human design in human design. I am a four one generator. So I have the one in my profile line, which is an investigator. So when I found out that I had that one in my line and what that meant, like it makes so much sense because I love to learn. Like you can put me in any sort of classroom and I'm like at the front row. I wasn't like <laughs> that's my entire too. life. Though. When I was growing up in high school and in college, like I didn't get good grades until, unless I was in a class that I liked. Mm. So it has that like activates me in order for me to like absorb everything like a sponge. So I, um, yeah, so I decided to like leave the teaching job where I was and I went to a local university and I started my PhD, which was a seven year project. And it was there that I began to kind of bring together my spirituality and my education. And I had always been very into yoga. I had practiced transcendental meditation for a very long time. And, um, you know, I read the, the yoga sutras and um, the um, Bhagavad Gita and, you know, many different scripts and texts. And I felt as though I was quote unquote spiritual. Um, what I was not was embodied. And <laughs> I didn't know what that word meant. I didn't really know. I'm sure there were times in my life and times throughout my day where I was embodied, but I couldn't, yeah. I didn't know. And I didn't know how to recognize that. So um, what I did though, with my research was I started to look at mindfulness. I started to look at children's meditation and I started to look at, um, you know, children's attention and how they correlated. And that was in about 2012. And that was really kind of like, it was starting to like peak around the fact that there is something with these um, contemplative practices that support, you know, our executive functioning growth and our yep. self-regulation skills and our emotional intelligence. And so I, when I dove into that, it was like just at the beginning, like it was, I actually got an award at the university because that was one of the things that I brought together in education was the, the you know, bringing the mindfulness into it. And now at the university, not because of me, but there is a mindfulness um, office, you know, mm -hmm. and a mindfulness department. So you can see how it kind of like progressed. So that was the beginning of like, I was like, oh, I can bring these two worlds together, like this, you know, this thirst that I have mm. um, for self-development. And so then I had a, um, a daughter and I decided to go back to education. I actually looked into doing research and I love research. I looked into doing it, but then I couldn't get my summers off. So I was like, <laughs> nope, I'm not going to do that. So I went back to the school where I, you know, was initially teaching and my daughter went to school there and it, it really just kind of fit beautifully. And so I had, that was kind of, that's kind of like my story um, mm. in my education and in my, more of my professional world. And then on the other side, in, and, and I felt like that was a little bit more integrated. Like I felt like I could follow the path and I just kind of like, I didn't have um, any sort of, um, you know, there wasn't really any big challenges and I just kind of like, it was kind of laid out for me. Um, as far as my relationships go, I did struggle a lot. I was married when I was 22 and I was divorced by the time I was 25. Um, I was in and out of many different relationships. Um, and I always felt like, 
you know, it was the other person. And then I recognized that so that I was contributing to the challenges and the toxicity. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, isn't it? That recognition, because it's so much easier to go out and blame. I used to blame, blame, blame my poor ex-husband. He was the problem, obviously, because I was just sweet and innocent and emotionally expressive. And why wasn't he able to, you know, meet me there was the story I was telling myself. As you continue going, I have one question to, um, to be curious about prior. Being American, my assumption is that you might have had some religious influence in respect of Christianity or Catholicism. Is that any impact on your life? So I was raised Presbyterian, but I didn't really have so it wasn't really such of an influence in my life. Okay. And culturally, um, I, was it, do you think? Like when you speak about getting married at 22, that's where my question came up. So it's interesting because I went to college in Boston and it was a Boston was such a very conservative environment and and I, I was almost in this space where like I didn't even know what I was going to do next. And there was all of our friends were getting married from college, like not all, but like a handful. And I was like, oh, and I had my boyfriend that we've been together for like three years from college. And I was like, let's get married. He's like, let's get married. That's what you so, do. That's what you do. So there was definitely like that was definitely a period of time where I was lost. Like I was yeah. like, I didn't know my purpose. I didn't know. And it was before I had found the Montessori teaching so I was like working different jobs and like trying out different corporate jobs and nothing really fit. And it was a lot of crunchiness. Um, the The marriage itself was like, a, I, you know, it was a beautiful piece. I just wasn't ready for it yeah. at the time. Um, so then moving on, let's see. Yeah, so I had many of these different relationships. I was, you know, definitely did contribute to the toxicity of many of the relationships. And so... I began seeing a therapist and uh, when my daughters were um, like I had after I had my second daughter and I went through like a really challenging separation with the father. Um, It was there was a a court battle and it Mm. was very, very, um, it was very challenging. And it was that point where I was like, that was almost like that was a big low. And I was like, I need to I, I have to, you know, start taking more responsibility. I need to see what's happening here. I need to see where this is coming from. And hey, that's really powerful. Problem. I hear a lot yeah. of people get sort of stuck in victim story where it's like, I just need to keep fixing him or changing them or adapting that person. And then this mm-hmm. all will resolve. Right, right. So well, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that he's very um, supportive and he shows up for the girls. Mm. So I knew that that would be the case. So there was no way, it wasn't the scenario where he would not be somebody who I would be you know, in interaction with for yeah. the rest of my life. So I, it was facing me. Like I had to work through this stuff or I would be, you know, essentially dealing with somebody's, you know, we would, our, we would be clashing the whole yeah. time. So, so your goal was to lovingly co-parent and, and be in relationship in a new way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I knew that I needed to take my own responsibility and that I could, I could lead more in like that um, in a multi-dimensional space than in the 3D if I was the one who kind of took, you know, control and responsibility over my own healing. I'm going to love um, if you talk more about what that means for you, whether it's sure, now or later yeah. on. Yeah. What feels right. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel as though, um, like, I feel as though there's like two worlds, like you have the 3D, which is like how things, um, how things like really show up. 
um, you know, as far as like, you know, if a, and, and I talk a lot about this in, um, in dating and in relationships with, you know, between the man and the woman and, you know, the man leads in the 3d, but the woman leads in more of the multidimensional sense because she creates the tone and she creates the invitation with her desires. But all of so, this is like when I, so re, we only met recently, right? So I was put on to you a year or two ago through someone that I'd looked at to do some training with. And then mm -hmm. I followed you on social media. And recently the types of things that you post have been, I've been able to access them more. They're more like in my awareness and they're more relevant to me. And the language mm -hmm. that you were using now, I can make sense of where in the past I was like, what? Um, so even as soon as you said that, I was like, holy, that, okay. Because what the course that I did through you recently was a complimentary mastermind called The High Value Woman. And some things you said in there, I was like, that's what I've experienced. And I didn't have language for it to explain mm -hmm. it to anyone else or support myself even because I'm very intellectual. I like to make sense of things linguistically and have structures or, or language that I can use to be like, mm -hmm, and map it out in my schemas. So energetically and sort of experientially, as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, because so much in my marriage, especially, and even in my second partnership, I was like, I keep hearing this stuff about men leading and the masculinity, and I grew up in the Christian framework, which shared that. And although that was more patriarchal and control-based and manipulative, I can step and push away from that and let that sit aside. And yet now, when I come back to that from like an energetic perspective, I'm like, why did I always feel like I was leading? And it was that dance between like, allowing them to actually lead and letting go of control, which is a continual dance for me. And I got a lot from your course around that and reminding me how to do that and why to do that and what that means. And that it's actually not about um, being submissive so much as being in loving surrender. And when you mm -hmm. said that about leading in, in another dimension, uh, there's probably other ways we could say that too, that would help others access it and know the love that I'm leading from is enough. And that the framework of the how gets to come in and be danced with together. Mm -hmm. So when you explaining it from a dimensional perspective, I was like, Ooh, another way to see that. So keep going. Yeah. I love that. What you're saying about language, because that's so true. And that's what I love about this work is that we just follow these threads and we follow these breadcrumbs and we find we're just like naturally attracted to what, what makes sense and what like kind of like clicks. Yeah. You just and know you're like, that's it. That's true for me. Yeah. Yes. You're like, oh, okay. Yes. Now I see. And, and you're so right. It is another piece of language because I, I struggle with that. Sometimes I feel as though I don't have, and, and through this whole time of like my healing journey, I have learned so much language, you know, that I didn't even have before. And, um, I think that this is just such a, it's such a huge piece is this, like just the verbal ability and the verbal skills to have to describe what's happening, not only happening in your mind, but to ha what's happening in your body mm. and what's happening in your nervous system. And there's so many different ways I feel of looking at the same thing, right? Like I feel like Joe Dispenza has a very similar, like everyone has kind of like the same, same it's the same thing, yep. but it's like, what language, what language lands with you and yes. what language like, like triggers something inside of you that pulls you towards that realization. And that's what I and love about like social media in the right spaces, coaches, mentors, gurus, however you want to call it. Cause there's, it's about 
how many different ways can we show someone something, explain it to them, allow them to hear it, allow them to feel it that accesses them. So that's what Mm -hmm. supports me in my coaching. When I question myself sometimes, I'm like, but there's so many people doing this. It's about how does my personality, my way of expressing, my way of explaining, my way of showing it access someone who hasn't been able to access it in another way and how do I learn through that so like that's what's so powerful about so many different people speaking the same truths like you said when I read more and more um, scientific and spiritual books and see that they're saying the same thing and it's just a different way of looking at it or a different language set I become so grateful that someone did do their iteration of it because it allowed me to make sense of it for the first time or at a deeper level or in a new way so that's what I loved about what you're doing because some of it I'm like oh I've heard this before and not quite in this way or that just the way she, the language she used accessed me right there, or that gave me a new picture of this so I can actually apply it in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think personal experience is such a big component of that because the personal experience is what, you know, brings in like the embodiment and the, yeah. you know, or examples and the, like the really like understanding. When I started working at um, getting my PhD, what I noticed was there were so many, so I had, I had like seven to eight years between my math of teaching in the classroom um, before I got my PhD. And there were so many students who were getting their PhD in education who had just gone from like their bachelor's, their master's yep. and their PhD and they had no classroom experience. And so I was in there and I was one of the oldest ones in the classroom because I had, you know, had these like seven to eight years on me. And I, we were having these conversations and I'm like, no. Yeah. You're like, that doesn't <laughs> apply. It's not you, possible. <laughs> where's the context? Yeah. I'm like, this is not what happens in the classroom. Like, this is not, you know, what the teacher is thinking. And so, yeah, it really, it really, it, the, the, that experience I think is so, so rich. And that like, that speaks to, you know, those of us who are stepping into the mentoring space, who are stepping into the coaching space around, you know, that confidence piece, like, can I do, should I do this? Am I worthy to do this? And that is that experience piece that you have to, when I started, you have to fall and you have to, (laughs) um, you know, you, you, it's, it's just a natural, you know, it's a natural part of this whole process. My perspective yeah. on that has shifted so much because in the past, I would look at it like, I want experts who are doing this right, who have done this right. And now I'm like, I right. want someone who's fucked it up so bad, who's hit rock bottom and seen how they've messed it up so they can come back and speak to what they're doing different, right? Like failures, totally. feedback, and how much like, I want teachers when I'm studying that, I want teachers who are like, here's what doesn't work. Here's how I know I tried it and messed it up. Here's what now I'm exploring and I'm seeing so much success. And that's where I coach from. I'm like, here's all my failure. Here's all my fuckery and now here's what I've learned and here's what's working now and so that's why I love about the mentoring coaching space is people who are like here is my mess it's now my message right and here's the chaos of what I explored with I've embodied it I lived it so I'm coaching from the space of like just what I've stepped out of because I see it so fresh and I have language for it and I can make sense of it and it's so like felt in my body and it's so known that it's that's where I coach from and it sounds like with the way you share too is very much sharing your own personal journey and what you've been through and how that can support people Mm -hmm. absolutely because I think that life like there's so many experiences in life whether it's your relationship whether it's your job your employment whether it's your relationship with money your children, your home, like these are all portals for us to access different parts of us to heal. Yes. And, you know, we go through these different parts 
depending on what is like something is going to call us forward something is going to come up that needs to be felt that needs to be healed that part of us is like screaming for that integration yeah so so the big piece was when i um i my daughters were i think three or four and um maybe eight and i was i was okay so i had a therapist that i've been working with um, a traditional therapist, and I had started my um, a relationship that was a five year relationship. It wasn't it wasn't the um, father of the, my daughters. It was the first relationship after that, and it was a pretty significant relationship which just ended recently. Yeah, and um, and so I had this therapist that was really working with me with language, and I was like, oh my gosh, I I I, I was recognizing all these wounded pieces around the masculine, like yeah. how I you know was having challenges even just speaking like you know i need to know what time that you're going to pick like it was like really basic Lots of stuff that I, would, like, I would shake i would just like oh yeah. i don't know if i should say this you know so right. she really helped me and gave me so much language in that and that was beautiful and then i started like um i started playing on instagram and i found a coach um and galena singer was her name so I, I started working with Galena Singer, who is like this life coach, and she was just out of corporate. And she was just, you know, she was doing going through her own relationship stuff. And it was everything that she was speaking to was from her own healing. Yeah. And she enrolled in Victoria Redbard's course, the Institute New Paradigm Intimacy. And I watched her take this course because I was buying, you know, coaching packages from her. And I watched her really like I watched her on online and I watched her really just glow up yeah and it, her she her like she had this glow yes. to her like it was like and I was like it was it was the message came through so clear though in hindsight I didn't know it was a message yeah. but it just so clear that it was like I was like I want to do that program yeah so they were doing their next round and so I um I you know submitted my application I got online I did a call and it was a sexuality school. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I did know that sexuality was one place that I hadn't yet, like I'd done the yoga, I had done the meditation, I had, then I stepped into INPI, I did the call and I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but you know, this is interesting, okay. And then they told me the price. And I think at the time it was like 8,000 Australian. It's a decent and, ticket offer. It's like, they want you to actually invest. They're like, you're going all in baby. Yes, yes. yeah. And I was like, I got, I was like, oh, I, I don't know. And so I got off the call and I had this, this rage that come through my body. And I remember specifically, like my daughters were doing something and I just got really angry with them. And I was like, I don't even know why I'm getting so angry wow. with them, but it was coming out. So it was definitely bumping up against something. And then for like two weeks, I was like, I'm not going to do this course. But then I was like on social media, like Stalking searching her. other courses. Oh, okay. Others. <laughs> Other courses. I'm like, maybe I'll do this one. Maybe I'll do that one. And then after two weeks, I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just yeah. going to, I really sat in this like conditioning as a teacher that I couldn't afford certain things totally, and that I wasn't worthy to yep. buy myself certain things. And but it's so different when someone buys it. it for you. Like my ex-husband used to provide me such a beautiful quality of life. And yet I never, it, it almost did the opposite. And we've spoken heaps at depth about it since, because he's a beautiful man in his own growth journey. And I've been like, I didn't have a sense of worthiness because everything I really had was always at least linked to the man in my life who I was making my daddy, you know, and like right. hadn't been dealing with an abandonment wound and some fatherhood stories there. And so yes. I never had this sense of worthiness that I had sovereignty in my worthiness it was always linked to yeah. someone else 
So yeah, it's so different when you get it as a gift or, you know, that's why you hear these stories of people win the lottery and just blow it away because they don't know how to deal with that sort of sense of worthiness coming at them. They didn't do anything for it. They didn't sort of, if they don't know their worth, they're just like pew, pew. So yeah, I love that piece of when people ask me for a high ticket offer investment now, I'm like, ooh, they want me to go all in. Okay, is this in alignment is another question. But yeah, really recognizing the the more I invest, the more I actually put in and get out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a there's there's a there's a, there are a few pieces to tune into because I I have done some major some big investments like larger investments in INPI, and I have done some smaller investments. And I feel like there's two pieces to tune into. One of them is like where you need to energetically stretch yourself in order to make that commitment and to order yeah. to make that investment in order to like push yourself to the next level mm. and push yourself to the unknown. And then there's also the piece that is like, what is my, what is enough of a commitment and an energetic stretch for my nervous system? That's not going to yeah. send my nervous system into, you know, a dysregulation. Yeah. I love because that. I have made investments that I've been really excited about, but I've almost like closed my eyes and like been like, I know this isn't the I figure it out later. And it's a dolt to my nervous system. Yeah. Or or where it's coming from. Like I actually invested 4K in a program that I didn't end up completing because it wasn't, I bought from fear and I bought for different reasons. The way that they sold was, I can see now what didn't align with me. And so Mm. even in it, it was like this power play within me that I was like, and it wasn't the content wasn't what I needed at that time. It wasn't as relevant to me, but I bought from fear. I bought because I thought I would get connection and I bought because I kind of was, yeah, I was pit sold, which isn't in alignment with me. And I can see now that like I learned so much. So the 4K actually taught me so much about what I say yes to and what I say no to. So it was a perfect investment. I had, I had a similar experience where I did like a really big investment. It was actually like a 12K investment Oof. in like a group coaching program a year long. And I was two months in and I was like, I need out. Yep. And, and I had to fight to get out of the program and I ended up getting out of the program and I didn't have to pay for the rest of it. But wow. it was definitely like, it was a lesson learned that I was like, yeah. and, and I knew, I know the energetic that I was in when I got into that. And I was like, okay, so let's like bookmark this. Um, and let's move from here, you know, um, in the investing pieces. So, so I enrolled in the course. I was so super excited. I began the course. I loved the fact that like, I connected to so many people around the world. Um, really good friend of mine now, um, is actually, she's my business partner and she's out of Canada. So, uh, Canadians are pretty great. Yeah, she's there. And then, you know, like just met so many Australians, like Europeans. It was beautiful. And it was a really beautiful journey. Mm-hmm. It it was so much more than sexuality. It it talked, you know, we learned about sexual dysfunction. We learned about Eros. We learned about our life force energy. We learned, um, you know, about de-armoring techniques and things like that. And most importantly, we learned the self-pleasure modality, which Victoria Redbird kind of I mean, the self-pleasure modality, self-pleasure is out there, but she kind of like created a modality out of it. So she took it and she packaged it and she put like purpose to it. And um, I think it's been in Tantra for a very, yeah. very long time. Um, so it like that really started to help me. And I started to practice that. And I, what what I started to notice was, again, how I would embody things and I would bump up against this part of myself. So mm-hmm. I remember one day during the course, 
um, I woke up and like my children were like climbing all over my face. And I was just like, I felt the rage come up because mother rage is something that I have dealt with before. I talk a lot about mother rage on my page and I felt the rage come up and it like bumped against something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is so, this hasn't happened before. And I remember hopping on the Facebook group because we were in the Facebook group at the time. There were some other mothers in the group. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I just mm. can't. And I didn't know what I was speaking to. Like I didn't know what I couldn't do anymore, but there was just this embodied bump. And now I feel it. I feel like it's more of like, it's more of my center. It's more of my integrated masculine. Mm. It's more of my knowing. It's more of who I am. It's more of my, you know, this is in alignment. This is not in alignment. And, and it's become stronger. And it's like this, it's this protective piece that keeps me. It's like, no, you can't, this, this isn't going to work anymore. Like this old, old habit, this old dysregulation, it's not going to work anymore. It feels like you're describing like getting in touch because when you get in your body. So for me, I had some early childhood experiences that had me disassociate. And then I lived most of my life out of my body and in my head um, and in an auditory digital cycle of inner dialogue. And then words like anxiety, depression, played with all of those labels. And then things like ADHD, because it's like, yeah, because your thoughts are spinning because you're not listening to them. And you're addicted to thinking because you're not feeling. So once I got in my body, which I did through some self-harming behaviors and some magic and some beauty and some healthy, uh, yeah, beautiful relationships. And a lot of my getting in my body was through sexuality and self-pleasure and sex and actually feeling safe in those environments. And yeah, what I found from a lot of that is it put me in touch with my intuition. So the anger mm -hmm. started coming up and all of those like the trauma from a limbic brain perspective and from a like bottom up perspective started showing itself so I could heal old wounds and old stories that my unconscious had just repressed. And the right. anger came for me when I didn't want to listen. Like as I, the more and more now when it tells me what I need to do and I don't listen, I get angry, I get irritable, I get sexually like aroused in a, in a, uh, like a sympathetic nervous response way where I'm like, I just have all this aggression. I don't know what to do with. And it's mm -hmm. so annoying sometimes. Cause I'm like, I wish I didn't know. Cause it's hard. And I don't want to take action here because this way of being is easy and lazy. And I'm so mm -hmm. grateful. Like I'm being playful. Cause I have a strong inner brat that I love to dance with. And it's like, yeah, that comes up to deal with it. And when I don't, that's when I get sick, make bad choices, use my self-sabotaging patterns. So now I'm so grateful I'm in my body because it actually just gives me a knowing I can hear the inner voice so much clearer. It's not a dance of messing around in there. I can feel it in my body and I just know it and I can see right. what I need to create. It's when I don't listen that things like rage come up. All of my embodiment allows me to experience all of the emotional and it emotional range and it's how I do it from love it's how I do it with conscious awareness I just I'm so mm -hmm. grateful and I that's my sort of story more recently I'm curious about how all of that sexual embodiment practice showed itself to you mm -hmm. and what you've created from that for me it was it was a piece that I was never allowed to feel it like mm -hmm. I was it was like you know growing up I was it was I grew up in a very like author, authoritarian home so it was, you know, go to your room, yeah. you know, don't talk like that. I'll give you something to cry about like those. And so I didn't have like when, when it would come out, it, it really started to come out when I had my daughters, my first daughter. And I knew like I could, it would shake me so much that, and I would, the whole time I was like, this is so fucked up. This is so fucked up. And then the episode would be over with. And I would be like, oh, hi, my love. How can I help you? You know? And 
I couldn't even see it. And now it's just now that I'm like seeing like how these, like how we are so inauthentic yeah. and how we, we can throw these love bombs. And I see this reflected back in my past relationship that I just ended that we can so, and I'm guilty of it too. He reflected it to me. And then, you know, of course, um, but it's like, you know, we throw these love bombs of like, I love you. I'm here for you, but you know, oh, give me a hug and a kiss. But then when it's like, when the shit hits the fan, when, you know, my children need me to like get down on my knees, be in my body, look at them in the eyes, like, like allow what the tingly sensations that are moving through my body that just want me to like, like, it's so challenging to stay in my body for me to be somebody and be a nervous system that they can co-regulate off of. Like I'm just now getting to that point. Yeah. Like it has taken, it has taken so much embodiment work. And that for me is what self-pleasure was. So yes, sexuality piece, like there was psychosomatic sexual theory and that was all beneficial because I always had, you know, different sexual fantasies and I was curious about those. And, you know, what I took away from the sexuality piece was more of a layer of understanding my patterns yes. in sexuality. So I could see like how, when I was, you know, having sex, I would just assume one position because that was how I mm. knew how to have, how I knew how to orgasm. Right. Mm. And so, um, and then my partner would assume the other position and then we would be finished. And yep. sometimes that was, it was my marriage too. It was like, it was nice, yeah. but we just had our strategy. We had our pattern. Right. Exactly. And so that, the, that, the sexual, sexually, the course really opened that awareness and I was able to see, and then I, I worked more. I went, um, I started working with Andrew Barnes, um, and I went to a few of his, um, workshops and I did some of his retreats in Europe and that those were really beautiful and really profound. So that compounded on my, like my sexual de development and things like that. Somatically though, getting into my body was through that self-pleasure modality, through practicing it every single day. My course that I took with her was six months. And so it was the six months of like, you know, doing that self-pleasure every day and recognizing that I would, at, when I would have those Mother Ridge episodes, like how, how it would throw me so much and it was throwing me more and more. And so I was like, okay, where's the pause here? Where's the pause? Why can't I get to the pause? I know, why can't I stop this from happening? Why can't I stop this from happening? And it took, uh, you know, so many episodes for me then to really be able to embody that pause and be able to drop into my body and feel the sensations in my body instead of react. And there would be times when I would be in and out and I would be like raging yeah. and then I'd be back and raging and then back in my body. And and then I recognized after moving through those pieces, like <clears throat> there was, it was so many parts of my rage and my anger. And it was like, so it was feeling it, but then it was also on a mind level and, and a com compassion level, accepting it yes. and being like, oh my God, this is important. Yeah. Like this is really important information that's coming through. Mm -hmm. And it, I had never seen it as important. I had always had so much shame around it. Yeah. And well, so, we shame people for big emotions, specifically anger, sadness. Right. Yeah. Hurt. Right. It's sad because I like, I see so much now. It's so easy if I let myself fully feel an emotion and move through it and get the learning from it. Like it's, mm -hmm. uh, whereas in the past I would, it would dance. Like you said, like it would up and down and up and down and just so dysregulated. Right. Whereas now it moves so quickly the next step for me is 
really allowing myself to be witnessed in that, especially by the masculine or by a partner or both, because I'm so comfortable in it now myself. You know, I know how to dance. I know how to move. I know how to express it and, and move it through my body. And being witnessed in that is a whole other thing. So I do that in a women's circle monthly. And I do that with women, like it's powerful, like you said, these sisters that we find that we get to trust and project into and, and reflect back to. And it's like finding, for me, I would desire a male partnership to find someone who's willing to witness that and who's someone I yeah. can witness with. And that piece you yes. said about like with young people too, my teaching has changed so much because now when I see those uncomfortable emotions, like in the past, if I saw them in a child, I didn't have space for witnessing that. I would for do sure. that, go to timeout, go to the quiet corner, whatever. Yeah. And I thought I was doing a good job because I was like, well, they, they're going to dysregulate everyone in the room and they're interfering. Right. And now it's like, how do I take the breath, find the pause and just witness them and hear them and see them. And like you said, really allow them to co-regulate and I can see the impact and I'm like, whoa, this is it. Like these big yeah. feelings, these kids, their parents are so busy. Our world moves so fast. How many people are just like I say to people, I, I sneak in and, and do my spy teaching work as a relief teacher, as a substitute teacher. And I just I get to look them in the eye. I get to touch them on the shoulder. I get to breathe with them. I get to let them cry or scream at me and see them in it and be like, hey, what do you need? And mm-hmm. it's so different when we can love from there. Like teaching is just mm-hmm. one space of showing us that. When we can love from there with our children, with our partners, with our siblings, with our whoever. Like how do we just, yes, yeah, sit in it and be like, that's big. What yeah. do you need? How do you take care yeah. of yourself right now? What do you need from me? Like it's just a different way of loving. And I think a lot of us haven't been loved that way by our primary carers either. So it's so yeah, unfamiliar. Yeah. And we just act out the patterns that we observed, right? For sure, for sure. Mm. For sure. Yeah. I wrote an article on Elephant Journal about that in the classroom. Yes. About how I recognize and this was a this was a bridge coming out of INTI because I was sitting there one day and I was like, okay, what am I doing? Like I don't know if I, I definitely was getting burnt out because I've been now teaching for like 20 years. Yikes. Do I want to keep teaching? Is this what I want to do? And all of these people in the course were like starting to do private coaching. And I was like, well. I don't know. I don't know if I, I, you know, I'm ready to be a sexuality coach. Like that's not something that I'm really necessarily interested in. Um, but I don't, but there's so much theory here around the nervous system, around, you know, the masculine and feminine energies around archetypes. Like there's so many pieces here, um, that provide so much of so much space and so much perspective to looking at, you know, the teacher child relationship. And so I was sitting there one day in my classroom and I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like, like this is the piece to understanding challenging behavior. There's yeah. so many, there's so many workshops that we take as behavior teachers management and like, and like strategies yeah. and they have nothing to do with yourself. They have, well, right. And so what I did was then the first business that I created was, it was I founded the new paradigm teaching Institute, which was just for teachers yeah. and it to help teachers to learn how to regulate their nervous system so that they could be somebody that we could co-regulate off of. Did teachers want to hear that? Some of, yeah, some of them did. I did quite a few, um, I did quite a few professional development workshops and I'm actually, I've been speaking now, I'm speaking in, um, next weekend. Yeah. I'm speaking next weekend at the American Montessori Society, um, uh, their annual conference in Boston. So I'm flying there to do that. So I've been speaking a lot. Um, I don't really, 
push it anymore because yeah. I've been more into coaching women and mentoring women. So I feel like now I'd love to hear you make the distinction because you've spoken to the self-pleasure modality and you've spoken to embodiment and regulating your central nervous system. How do you see, because I know my experience and I want the listeners to hear, how did those things fit together? Like how did, you haven't really mentioned yet how the self-pleasure brought you in your body or how the self-pleasure helped you regulate or how, how the self-pleasure is a key piece in your transformation. Yeah. So, well, the self-pleasure was what taught me how to be in my body. And that is the practice that is, I call really like a nervous system regulation yeah. practice. And, um, because what, so what started coming from that was the ability to obviously be in your body means when you are triggered in these like big emotions that you are able to feel those intense sensations and to stay in your body so that you can respond instead of to react. So do you and feel so like what, being in the intense sensation through self-pleasure is about feeling a positive intense sensation or one that you consider to be positive or enjoyable and staying present to that? Is that how it connects or how does... I think the self-pleasure modality is what it is, is it's like a 30 minute practice that you just connect with your body. So okay. you are just, you're really just touching your body in all different ways. Yeah. And you're just allowing whatever to come through in that 30 minutes. Maybe yeah. you want to get up and dance. Maybe you need to move your body. Maybe you need to hit a pillow. Maybe you need yeah. to do emotional release. Maybe you need to slow down and touch your body in a different way. Maybe yeah. you need to, you know, move down to your sex center and you need to, you know, bring your arousal and your desire. Maybe that's what's moving through your energy at that time. It's moving through your body. So it's really just a 30 minute practice that you can connect to your nervous system. Yes. And so another that, way of framing that could be just like a, a touch and moving meditation, right? So is that, yeah. yeah. So I hear a lot of people's fear very, around like sexuality and I'm like, okay, well take your sex center out, add sensuality, which is your senses. So a lot of what right. I do when I talk about like mindful ishness, uh, I'm like, I don't necessarily do what people think of as formal meditation. A lot of the time, I literally just find a space to be with my body and explore what it needs and what it's feeling. I move however it wants to move. I touch however it wants to be touched. And that can look yeah. so different. Whereas in the past, and that's what I say to people, I'm like, if you're doing a stoic, Eastern, traditional, masculine meditation, right? like you're actually just teaching your body rigidity and to ignore its internal messages again. So when people are like, don't move, you can't move in meditation. I'm like, that's... <laughs> You're just repressing your shit again in a, in a like honorable way. And so there's a space for that. And there's discipline that can be learned through that. And for the sure. meditation that I needed the most is like very self-expressive and very sensual and very movement-based because it's about how do I finally listen to my body and give it what right. it's asking for and regulate it. So right. people could bring self-pleasure and sexual pleasure into it. And there's, I see a whole bunch of value in that too. And I'm offering an alternative for people who are like, why does that, or I don't want to go into that space just yet. And I, that's when I think they probably should. And also it's a beautiful opportunity, right. a gateway to kind of see what we're, we're speaking to and feel it in the, for themselves. Right. I mean, the word self-pleasure turns people off because people are like, they're, you know, worried, you know, scared yeah. about your pleasure, but it, it is completely different from masturbation in the sense that masturbation has like an end goal. Yeah. And it's like, going to have an orgasm at the end of masturbation where self-pleasure is I have no idea what's going to come I have no idea what's going to happen yeah. I could just lay in my body for 30 minutes and that's the experience which is um, sad to see mapped across into sex as well because that's how a lot of people do sex now too which is sad and I love that yeah. same frame being applied to sex and sexual pleasure with someone else is like just go and have an experience together 
and be in your bodies yeah. together and see what comes up and what you learn and yeah. what you can feel. And yeah, I love that opportunity to, to explore because I think when people are going, well, I don't want to self pleasure that to me, I'm like, okay, so you're playing with the shame story. So we can go and explore that if you'd like, there's a lot in there for you. And in the interim, mm -hmm. learning to get in your body might show you the shame that you have around your sexuality. So you can let that go in the future too. Mm -hmm. And so for you then, once you were in your body, was there a large part around the sexuality stuff too? Like, did you have a lot of sexual shame? I know you were speaking to your relationship saying that you had like your routine and you just lay there and kind of you did your thing, he did his thing. Did you learn a lot about how to make love or how to have sex or how to be with your body with others through that modality as well? Yeah, so so what I learned in through that piece was we began open relating. And so we began open relating and that really brought us into a different realm. Um, and I began to, but what I noticed from open relating, it was not necessarily, again, it wasn't the piece of sexuality. It was what came up in my nervous system when I interacted yes. with men. So that was the piece. So 100%. it wasn't necessarily the, you know, the act of sex, sex. Nope. it was like, okay, did he message me the next day? Yep. And you know, my father, like you said, you gave me the language for that. Like my father was like totally triggered. And like my anxious attacher was yep. like, oh my God, what's happening? I haven't heard from him. I'm worthless, blah, blah, blah. So those are the pieces that like, it opened my eyes. Like it was a, it was, it opened my eyes to like a world of like, you know, what is the conditioning that we have around yeah. sex? What expectations we have around sex? What is the language that we can have to openly talk about it? Yes. I was very able to have open conversations with my daughters about sex and their, you know, and we talk about, you know, body parts and things like that yeah. with their anatomical name. And I have, you know, I was able to speak around sex in a much different way. So that was a big takeaway from that. And the open relating, again, just reflected back more of my healing that I needed to do yes. with men, which really has just continued um, and still continues. So I love that, especially in countries like America, where we have so much sexual shame and oppression. For me, I was 26 or so when my ex-husband and I opened our relationship. And it came from that space of like dialoguing. I'm like, do you have other fantasies? Like we were doing this routine and it was nice. And we, I kind of was asking him like, what else do you want to explore? And he was like, no, it's good. And I was like, mm, this isn't it. There's more depth here. We're not really present mm -hmm. to each other. We're not really vulnerable. We're not deep in this. And when we opened our relationship, it was exactly that in that I just got more mirrors so I could stop blaming it all on him or this relationship right, and start to right. see it was patterns that I was playing out and strategies yeah, I was using and I would use them everywhere. So that yeah. like, same pattern, it sounds like with you. So anxious attachment came up for me from an abandonment womb. And so open relating was great because I actually got to my existential kink of being abandoned, which my whole origin story with that was when I was six years old. My father, I, I was happy. I was innocent. I, everything in my life was magical. I was playing with the fairies and I was hanging out and dancing in my yard and I was casting spells everywhere. And then in that moment when my father walked out into the driveway, got into a silver sports car, looked at me with tears in his eyes, just so ripped apart and just said, I love you and drove away. Abandonment womb, boom. And that oh, wow. to me associated so many things. One, when a man loves you, he'll leave. Two, you can feel so safe and then your whole world will get fucked up in an instant. And mm. yeah, those were the main things. And then I chased him for the rest of my life. And I chased right. my mom, making sure she didn't leave by becoming an um, 
hyper independent, um, hyper vigilant perfectionist. And then with my father, just people pleasing and making sure that he loved me and that he wouldn't leave, leave again because he mm-hmm. was still involved in our life and he was a very loving man. And it's so interesting because it wasn't until I got embodied that I actually saw that's what I was playing out with my open relationship. I actually got off on the abandon. So my ex-husband and I would have sex with other people within each other's view. We would go off and have separate dates. And the further I got into that, the more I actually just healed my core wounds. And with my ex, so we were polyamorous by the end, ended my marriage, got into a relationship with another gentleman that was a deeper version of that wound to the point where he would just break our trust even within that space. And our agreements, he, like I said, he got another woman pregnant. And all of this was what I'd created in my world to teach me the lessons I needed. And this beautiful man just played that character. And so he, by the end, I'm laying on the bathroom floor crying. And then I start laughing because I'm like, oh, I created this. Um, These people are abandoning me to show me that I'm abandoning myself. And this open relationship journey was a beautiful way to get tons of reflections of the way that I am, to shift my behavior and to recognize like I need to show up for myself. What's my mission? What's my purpose? How do I be and see and hear all of myself? How do I witness my full self-expression so that I can be open to having one partner endlessly dive into me and knowing me and witnessing me before I can have that, which is my deepest desire, I have to see that in myself and be that for myself. And as I witness more and more of myself, the more I'll be able to allow the masculine or a male partner or a partner of any kind to reflect me back to me and show me themselves. And right now I'm not safe for myself. So of course these people are abandoning me. And when I was so done with that abandonment story, it's been layers of coming up and making that pattern less and less in my life. It just became so powerful because I was like, I don't want to open relate. I don't even believe in that philosophically. And I'm so grateful it was a part of my journey. So if anyone's going in that journey, I'm like, go, because you're going to learn so much. If you're in a conscious way of living, go and see what you get from it, because it's so powerful. You don't get mm-hmm. to keep blaming this like monogamous thing and this person, whoever is in front of you. You actually, if you're doing the deep inner work, you're going to see right. that that is playing out a dysfunctional pattern for you of whatever that is for you. So I'm so grateful. And like you said, though, the whole process, I learned about my body. I got in my body. I learned about my sex. I learned how to empower myself and be like, this is me. This is what my body likes. That's a no for me. That's a yes. This feels good. That feels bad. And I could have done that with my beautiful, loving husband. And yet I wouldn't have seen it unless I'd done things like enter into a coaching container or learn to love people the way that I do now. Like I get those reflections in the same way I did from polyamory without opening my sexual energy to somebody necessarily. Right. So now I'm seeking committed monogamous partnership because I'm actually so fully committed to myself that I can yeah. do that. Ditto. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yeah. That was it. That was one of the big pieces that um, when my recent partner and why we separated because he yes, had a lot of resentment. He had a lot of resentment around the experiences that I had yeah. uh, because he didn't really partake in the experiences um, in the same way that I yes. did. Yes. So did you and go on like a spiritual journey with it and then he was kind of just doing the sex? Yeah, that's my ex-husband too. And I was like, babe, like I'm done. And my ex-partner as well, by the end, what we had was this beautiful conversation where I said, I want all of you. I want to show you all of me. But this thing we're doing, it's not it. And I want to do life yeah. with you endlessly. And I text my ex-husband at the time and said, I wish I'd had this conversation with you because I see it so clearly now. I'm done hiding and I'm done running. And both of those partners were just like, it feels good to have my dick in someone else. 
and like running from their mother wound, running from themselves. Right. And I was like, I right. don't know how to love you any other way than loving you, witnessing yeah. you and walking away because your journey is going to take you where it needs to. And mine is ready for that man, for that full commitment. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And that was, that was the piece. That was exactly it. He wanted to go, you know, explore and be with other women. And I was like, we need, I need, and if this is relationship is going to work, it needs to be here. It needs yeah. to be front and center and it needs to be grounded down. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So that was the piece where we, you know, we said our goodbyes and that yeah. was, it's painful. Oh God, it was so painful, but it was such a beautiful breakup because it was really the first breakup that I actually allowed myself time and space to feel because I had mm. been, like you said, abandoning myself. Yeah um you know and chasing that abandonment through like just I'm really like, good at running so I was actually really good at chasing I was very fast and I usually got yeah, what I wanted fast. and that's what was so confusing because I was like this yes. clearly works like I can see now how with my ex-partner I saw right at the beginning I'm like this is a child like I remember saying to him on one of our first dates like how do you think you're gonna get all of those things like they sound like they're exclusive to each other like they will exclude each other and then ended up in a partnership living with him and just being like what? how did I get here because I had this little girl who was like I'm gonna get yeah. that and I didn't see Absolutely. it at the time. And now I'm like, what a manipulative little bitch. Like she was like, that's pretty. I want it. And I want it mine. <laughs> like, Right. So what we, we look at is like um, in masculine and feminine, you can look at it in masculine and feminine energetics, or you can just look at it in purely in sexuality development where you have leaky, leaky energy. Yeah. So like sexual energy, most energy that is leaky is usually sexual energy. Yeah. And it can come out in, you know, both in women and in men. Um, it can come out in women where, you know, we just leak, you know, we just openly leak our sexual energy onto somebody who we might see walking down the street, who we might feel like we just, you, you can, you can, you can literally viscerally open to that person and, you know, or you can, or you can go into your feminine shadow and you can pursue and you can manipulate and you can control to get them to where you want uh -huh. them to be. And it's the same, it's the same with men. Um, usually leaky energy with men is more characterized by kind of like they, you know, that in intensity of like coming after you. And, um, yeah, in that, in that sense, and you can kind of feel, it's like, it doesn't feel very good. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think so much of this work in sexuality development is also in the embodiment piece, which is also like finding that integrity and be, and, and deconditioning all those layers of what is actually the mm -hmm. story and what it is you're actually experiencing in your body in the moment, you know, and Got bringing it. that regulation into like and merging it with the understanding of the psychosomatic, you know, theory of, you know, what our sexuality, the power of it and mm. what it's there. So much work there. I mean, there's so much work for men too around, you know, um, non-ejaculation practice and, you know, really finding a conscious partner to, you know, connect with and mm. have these energetic you know, conscious sex experiences with. And there's so much amazing work out there where before I feel it was like just Tantra and then it was, you know, polyamory. And now I feel like it's it's really kind of like evolving into this deeper level of consciousness and it's becoming more mainstream, um, which again, it takes a while for all that information to sink. It takes a yeah. while for all that information to imbe become embodied, yeah. but at least talking about it more. Yeah. Okay, so then I, I redirected you, and I'd love to go back to your story, because when I shared mine, you were like, ditto. So do you want to speak to that a little bit? 
Yeah. So, well, the, 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 where I left off with that was that it was just, that was just a really powerful separation with my most recent partner. And I was finally able to bring myself, I allowed myself to come to my knees and my, in my deep feelings there. And that was where I created the one program that I have is fiercely feminine. But in that, the first module is called the art of feeling. Yeah. And it is about like, it, it, it is about how you can feel so deeply, because I would be, I just gave myself so much space. And because I am a single mother, I did have time where I didn't have my daughters. And I was in the sadness, mm. I was in the anger, I was in the shame, I was in the grief, I was in the regret. And I would spend, you know, days like, okay, like one foot in front of the other. Okay. Like it's okay. And then there would be days that I would just be like so angry and intense. Mm -hmm. And then there would be days that like my anxious attachment was like sitting by the phone, waiting for him to call me back. And I, I was moving through these pieces and it was there that I recognized, I got to this point where I was like, I, I think I'm crazy. Like I'm crazy for <laughs> crazy. And I was like, and I was like, just stay in it, like, yeah. just feel it, stay in it. And it was that pinnacle point of like, I am crazy. That was the point Always. of like, I'm taking this identity. Like totally. I am, I am yes. healing this and I am tracking through to the other side. I just got and shivers so up my whole body. Like, that, that was my winter. Like that was so a relatable. deep winter that I just went through. And so it was a beautiful breakup. It yeah. was super cool, but it was the medicine that I you know, I needed, I had done so much work in the five years that we had been together. That was when I started really doing all yep. of my embodied work. I started at an IMPI. I started my business, mm. you know, I went and I worked with different mentors, but it was like, it built up to that point and to that breakup where it just brought everything in. So that's so relevant for me too. When I left my ex-partner who I was with for about a year, year and a half in a polyamorous structure, when I grieved him, I grieved my ex-husband. Because when I left my ex-husband, I jumped on as many dicks as I could find. Yeah. And not yeah. not quite, but yeah, I definitely hid. And that's why I was asking about that. Like I was regulating with sex and in unhealthy ways with people who weren't committed to knowing me, helping me, supporting me, loving me genuinely. Right, right. My energy was everywhere. And I got to grieve when I finally, went, when we broke up, I got to fully grieve him and my ex-husband yeah. and my father wounds. I got to grieve the loss of my dad, the loss of my stepfather yeah. in, in the ways that I did lose them. I got to grieve the loss of my family and then I moved to Australia because I, then I got to grieve my ex-husband's family. Then I got to grieve my ex-partner's family. Like he was just the catalyst for me to go, oh, you've been repressing all of this, baby girl. Oh, like go and be with so all good. of it. So it's been a year of me just like in and out of it. Like you said, points of being like, am I nuts? And going, this is it. Like you just have to feel, babe. Like go move through it all. And you're getting more right. and more clarity. You're getting more and more intention. Trust the process and just keep being with it. Yeah, yeah. It has been quite the experience and I'm still in it. I mean, there's, there's times where I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to date. And then I'm like, oh no, I'm not ready to date. And then I'm like, I'm like, maybe I am. And then I'm like, oh no, 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 maybe I'm not. And I hit that, you know, that boundary again, like that knowing that's, that's embodied within yeah. me. And it's like, I find that to be like my inner masculine structure, yeah. like my healthy template that I'm now creating because I'm healing my father yes. wound. And I have this like framework and template within me that I can rest into and I can trust. Yeah. Right. And we don't abandon ourselves. We trust in this piece, yeah. even though it's like, 
what do you mean I can't go out on a date and have fun? I just go ever. Well, it's so for me too, it's the same. Like over the last year, I did a joke about doing a 40 day dick detox because I figured if 40 days was good for Jesus, it's good for me. And then after I did 40 days, I was like, baby, you are joking. It's got to be way more. But after the 40 days, I let myself experiment. I went and had a sexual exchange with a gentleman who had been with prior. And my whole body was like, nope. Like that arousal just didn't come. And I was like, fuck, I'm onto something. Um, he didn't honor my boundaries around something. And so I just left in the middle of the exchange and was like, yes, I knew it. I knew I was on the right track. And it felt so great that I'd let myself have that experience to know. And then from there, I was like, no, take your time out. And danced in and out of dating in that time from very consciously. So every time something would come up, I'd go, okay, off. No more dating now. Close off your energies. Go and explore what you just learned embody it then when you're ready come back out and do it again and I did that iterated yeah. that until like even the last exchange I'd recently where I opened myself sexually to someone too soon was because I was self-abandoning and I was lowering my standard and I wasn't I was chasing right and then I just right. laughed at myself the next day because I could bring love and compassion to it now right and then yeah. just like I'll watch myself and then you know communicate with them like this is what I learned and I'm actually realized we're not compatible whatever and so now I'm at the point of really like I'm in a very early stages of connecting with someone who I've actually kept my sexual energies closed to and just been mm. like, I want to know your heart. I want to know your mind. I want to know your soul. I want to know your intentions. And then we'll explore yeah. that later. Because I know in the past, if I open to that too soon, it, it, it triggers yeah. my abandonment wound. It triggers inter um, anxious attachment. And now when I feel those things come up, I know I have a conscious partner that I can talk about that stuff with and express mm -hmm. what it's going on for me and let him witness that. And then if I don't have that, I'm going to keep playing up that wound. Like I need someone who's willing to be in that with me. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. 100%. And here's what's going on for me. Yeah. So what do you support women with now? And like you've spoken a little bit to some of your courses. Do you want to speak a little bit to some of the key points of what you think are beneficial for women who have been through similar things to you or how you serve in the world? What are your key like, yeah, I don't know. How do you want to speak to that? Yeah. So there's a few different pieces that I work with with women. I primarily work with women. I have worked with some men, but I primarily work with women in there was a few big pieces that for me were life-changing pieces. Um, one of them was my relationship to my practices. So when I first started, you know, a long time ago, when I started yoga and meditation, I was so super strict. And I was like, and if I couldn't, if I couldn't get like my two meditations in for the day, then I would just collapse and I would be like the biggest bitch. And so... <laughs> I, I remember when I started my self-pleasure practice, I kind of got into that. It's it's like an, you you attach. It's like yeah. you bring your trauma to your practice, right? <laughs> totally. I and was so such a perfectionist in yoga when I started that I actually hurt myself worse physically than I ever had in like CrossFit. And I was like, yeah, because you're bringing in this intense toxic, like no, toxic is not the right word, but the ungrounded masculinity and this like, yeah. mm. I'm like, dude, that's not what yoga is meant to be. What are you doing? Yes. Yeah. So I teach, I teach women, you know, the self-pleasure modality, the art of feeling, mm. um, journaling, different, different embodiment practices, yes. but I also teach the foundation of how to have a healthy relationship with those practices yeah. and how we can, you know, how everything with our feminine, I, I do a lot of feminine and masculine energetics and how really as women, we are, we open our perspective and we can live in a much, um, a much a, a way that is less in victim and more in our empowerment when we are in relationship with so many things and yes. we're not looking at it in such a transactional way. Yes. Not like what can I get out? I'm going to meditate and what can I get out of it? But it's like 
okay, I'm in a relationship with this meditation today. Okay. And what is this meditation showing me about myself today? And what is it that I need to feel? Even the way you just use the word relationship. I'm like, that's not how in the past I looked at relationships, even with people. It was always, what can I get out or what can I give? A lot of the time it was, what can I give? Rather than like, how do I just be and have this dance, this exchange and be present to it? Yeah. So you, I love that because I can map that across from everything now because you were speaking about relationship with all, even your practice relationship with, I love that use of the word relationship there. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I work with that. And then I also work with, you know, using those tools, how we can bring ourselves to, you know, embody and to somatically feel more and Mm. how we can live life more in, you know, our feminine design and live our life more out of victim because the, my victim piece, just as a mother and like starting my business and leading my life and being in relationships, like, um, it, it has been a big challenge for me to step out of my victim mode and step into living my life as I am choosing. It's so and addictive, so, victim, oh, because it's so you addictive. actually get out, you get out, scot-free. Like I yeah. didn't even see how much I was playing a victim story because it was like, then it's his fault. It's their fault. It's my job's fault. It's the system's fault. Totally. It's, and I'm like, totally. I get it. It's easier. And like, yet the joy and the empowerment and the freedom that you feel when you actually take 100% responsibility. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wasted so many years in victim. It, it is it is wild. So the courses, I have two signature courses that I, that I offer. One is called Fiercely Feminine, which is my, um, it's a three month course. And that I walk you through the art of feeling, the self-pleasure modality, healing the father wound, the mother wound, the inner child, and how to create you know, your life, how to become the creator of your life. And the other program that I love is called The New You, which is a smaller program. It's five weeks. And I teach, that's where I teach the different tools. I teach self-pleasure. I teach intuition development, um, masculine and feminine energetics, and the relationship that we have to those tools. So I do one-on-one mentoring around self-pleasure. And then you Um, do some like um, introductory things that give people a taste of what you're creating. So they may want to jump into one of your containers, like the one I did with you the other day. Do you do stuff like that regularly? I do. I did. um, I usually do it once a month. I did a mother rage uh, mastermind, which was really, really popular. I had a lot of, um, a lot of feedback around that one. I did. How does a high value woman date most recently with you? And then I have another one upcoming because I have recently was my friend, um, my friend, Chelsea, we've recently acquired the Institute, the INPI. Oh, did you guys purchase it? We purchased it. I knew someone did. I didn't know it was you. That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. So now, and it just fits right with everything. So now we're going to have a webinar coming up on March 20th. It talks about your, your pleasure and your purpose. And it's really um, a trip to take you on a journey. We're starting that round. That's going to be round 11 um, that we're opening and we're limiting it to 30 applicants. And that's going to start in May. So that's one of my offers as well. So I have, we have a lot moving. Oh, I love that. Sexuality has been such a huge part of my growth that I'm like, when you actually feel the power and you feel the immense pleasure your body is capable of, like when you feel an orgasm that blows your feet off and blows your head off, like that's an incredible way to see your power and then just map that across to every other area of life. And even though I did it in learning in ways that also hurt me, I'm so like, hey, you get to do it in a healthy way. You get to do it in a way that's actually from power rather than from fear and from self-commitment 
rather than and sovereignty as opposed to self-abandon. So I love when people like you are out there teaching people to get in their body, own their pleasure, own their sex, own their life, like own their business. It all connects, right? It does. It all connects. Yeah. Yeah. So great. So yes. are there multiple, Beautiful. when you've created the schools, are multiple courses or it's, it's the one school and people can do it by a distance like the... The new yeah, yeah so the Institute New Paradigm Intimacy is we run those courses um, twice a year. Um, so we're going to do one in May. We'll start a round in May. Then we'll start another round in October. And it's a nine-month program. Shoot. And you become certified to be a self-pleasure practitioner. Maybe this is so, what I was waiting for because that's yeah. so part of my journey and I know it. And now that I've healed a lot of the fear and pain and hurt that I created in the in the ways that I did it, I get to own it right. from a such healthier place. And that's so why I'm so powerful that people like you are showing up and saying to people, hey, here's a portal for growth and change that's going to impact every area of your life. And when you fuck off shame, your whole life shifts. And most of us have shame linked to sexuality, if not all of us. Yeah, so sure. when you can sure. get rid of that, phew, what you can change in your life is incredible. So thank you for doing what you do. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you for thank you for asking me all these beautiful questions and talking to me about it. <laughs> so before we go, I'd love to hear like some key messages you might have for anyone listening or words of encouragement or like what's the most potent lesson that you can share, however you want to frame that and share it before we close off. Like, what do you want to offer? Um, yeah, I think the biggest piece, what's coming alive for me right now is this piece around... Um, it's almost when it comes off as like, just don't give up, but it's not, it, it's not that piece. It's not like a, mm. just don't give up as far as like, um, a masculine push. It's, yes. it's this, it's this, just don't give up as far as just don't give up on yourself and just don't stop so easily. And just don't think that if it doesn't happen right away, that it's not going to happen. Mm. And it's piece around like us choosing the story that we're going to write for ourselves. And as we continue on this embodiment and as we continue to embody more of ourselves and more of our knowing, like resting in that trust and resting in that curiosity and, 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 and still going, right? Like still making, like we talked about in the beginning, like 3D and multidimensional, like still making those 3D steps towards, you know, what is it that I need to make happen? Like, mm -hmm. what is it that I need to create in my life? But then also being able to like hold ourselves in this piece of like, compassion, you know, and gentleness and, mm. just, you know, attunement to what it is we are and like our special purpose and knowing that you have that special purpose and knowing that you have, you are contributing something magnificent to this world. And it doesn't need to be in the same way that, you know, somebody else is contributing, <laughs> but it is your essence. It is your being. And that's why it's just don't give up. It's just don't stop, you know? And I, I talk to my daughter about the time. It's just keep going, just picking it up and like, okay, you know, I launched that, that, you know, I'm starting nice. my business like a year ago. I launched this, I got no sales, you know? And now I'm like, okay, what's next? Whereas like two years ago, I was like, I got to shut down my whole Instagram account. I can't do that. <laughs> now, now I'm I like- I fucked up, I okay, failed, it's done. Right. Now I'm like, okay, that didn't work, okay. What's next? And that's how we build that resiliency. And it's just really beautiful. It's, it's, it's a beautiful piece. I love that word of encouragement. And I'm wondering what you can offer people so they can find you on social media. What, what's your social? The best place to find me is on Instagram and it's at dr underscore 
Elizabeth underscore Willis. Um, and everything is in the link tree. Um, I'm enrolling now for Fiercely Feminine, which is happening. Um, you can join anytime. That's a three month course. Um, and then we have the, um, the self-pleasure certification. We're taking calls for applicants and that application for that course is on my link tree as well. Um, the application will just link you in, you fill out the application and then it'll drop you into making a call, um, you know, booking a call with us. Great. Um, and we'll talk to you more about what that program, that nine month program is. Yeah. Well, thanks for what you do is, and then all of it's on your link tree on your Instagram. Great. Mm -hmm. I've loved talking to you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. It's been great. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to another episode. If it resonated with you, like it, share it with a friend or share it on your socials. And you can find me on my socials at Veronica Jane underscore on Instagram or at Veronica Jane on Facebook. I look forward to connecting with you further.